You are on the line. Live on Fox Sports Central Alabama on 98.3 FM in Birmingham and Sylacauga and in Auburn and Opelika on ESPN 1067. Listen online at foxsports983.com or espnau.com. You are on the line with Noah Gardner and Levi Fitzwater. Join the show by calling 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. You are on the line with Noah Gardner, Levi Fitzwater, and Lance Dahl. Jaws in the studio with us on a Friday here on ESPN 106.7 and on Fox Sports Central Alabama. Also, intern Sting in the house as well. We'll have crunching the numbers with him coming up on our next segment. Number to call, 334-321-1390. Find Levi and I on Twitter, at Point Gardner, at Levi Fitzwater. Find Lance on Twitter, at former intern Jaws. We want to hear from you. Phone lines are open. Whatever's on your mind, it's a big weekend. It, it is gotten to the spring sports season we've got the crossover of basketball baseball softball lots going on so we want to hear from you whatever is on your mind we want to hear from you today we've also got a special guest on our show today if you're just now joining us we've got a special special guest today coming up at 3 p.m market auburn legend Sinmeon Bowers. We got to have a great conversation with him earlier today, pre-recorded conversation. We will have former Auburn basketball superstar Sinmeon Bowers on the line with us coming up at 3 p.m. So make sure you stick around for that uh, and, and to listen to that conversation. And also coming up at 2.30 today, as we do every Friday, Christian Clemente of AuburnSports.com and the Auburn Plainsman. He'll be on with us as well. We'll talk to him a little bit about baseball, and then we'll also get with him about Bruce Pearl's press conference today that's previewing tomorrow's matchup against LSU in Baton Rouge. But let's open up the show today. Auburn baseball, it's opening day. Levi, earlier in the week, you were talking about pitchers and catchers reporting for the MLB, and now here we are. P's and C's, baby. P's and C's. Here we are, a sunny day, clear skies. It's good weather outside. I mean, it's a little chilly, but look, this is February opening day baseball in college baseball and it's exciting to have this back after what feels like it's been two years since we've seen someone play some baseball for an extended period of time we only had 18 games last year now we've opened up the baseball season with presbyterian here on the plains auburn baseball's first pitch today at 4 p.m right when we're going off air so you know we're leading straight into it i'm, I'm pumped about this and uh this three-game series coming up against the blue hose which is uh we figured out his stockings Yes, Bill Cameron, uh, when he was coming into the studio yesterday, he uh, he gave us that lesson on on what that nickname history is. Uh, so it's blue stockings, essentially. So blue socks is what Auburn's going up against today. What's on your mind going into this series for Auburn baseball? Well, initially, I just want to point out if we're, we're comparing these two teams based off mascots alone, I'm pretty sure uh, a group of Tigers is going to have a field day against a, a group of blue socks, <laughs> uh, considering... T- Presbyterian, not the best baseball team in the country, went two and fourteen last year before the season was shut down. I just find that entertaining. Let's let's bring the detergent, guys. Let's shut it down. Let's clean it up. <laughs> the starch. Yeah, I don't think I don't think the blue hose are standing up to a group of tigers. I mean, what's going into my mind this weekend is definitely can this team hit? And it's the pitching, the new rotation that we got. We got Green Hill on the mound today. You know, right after, right when we get off the air, that game is going to be starting. So. I'm just kind of interested to see how the pitching situation is going to look out and can this team hit instead of just getting hot at the end of the year, 
can we start off hitting you know well and carry that through a SEC season? Later on in the show, we're going to play a game called Playing the Line. It's a new game that we're going to be doing here on On the Line. We'll be taking a look at Auburn baseball stats and some basketball numbers as well going into this series. Basically, it's over-under, and we're going to be picking on some of that, and you're already touching on two major focal points of that game. It is, how's this Auburn team going to look at the plate? How many runs are they going to be able to plate? And then also, what are, the, what are these new-look pitchers? What does this new-look starting rotation look like for Auburn this weekend? Cody Greenhill tonight making his first collegiate start. That's what's on my mind. Maybe I'm making a bigger deal about this than other places are, but I think this is huge. We have not seen Cody Greenhill in this type of role since he's been on the Plains. Last year, he only averaged about three innings in appearance and the same for the year before that he has not had to go a long time when he's when he's gotten up on the hill the bull has the bull has not been out there for long well the bull is now out of the bullpen and he's on into that starting rotation so that's on my mind is what does this pitching staff look like this weekend I said this on yesterday's show there's something new that we are going to see in every game of this opening weekend series we haven't seen Cody Greenhill make a collegiate start before there's something new there on Saturday Richard Fitz is now into the weekend rotation that's something we haven't seen and then on Sunday Mason Barnett the closer now turned Sunday starter we're seeing him for the first time put into a role like that so this starting pitching staff there's something new every day and you're not going to know everything you need to know about this Auburn team after this first series mainly because you're playing Presbyterian a team that Lance has already brought up was two and 14 last year before everything shut down you're not going to learn a lot about this team this weekend that's saved for the round rock classic where that'll give us a baseline of what this team looks like at least against sec level competition and then they'll be working on improvement in all of their non-conference series and midweek games leading up to sec play when they open up with Ole miss in in about a month or so so you find out truly what you're made of here earlier in the season against teams in the round rock classic and then you work on improving from there. This weekend's just getting out there and tuning up before you go and play some big-time action next weekend in the Round Rock Classic out there in Texas, which I hope everything's warmed up by the time you get out there. And correct me if I'm wrong. I may be mistaken, but Jack Owen is injured for this game, right? Yeah, I mean, you're looking at a, a timetable of probably a, a month or so before he's back out there. I mean, you could. I, I would say that you will see him probably around – that first weekend of SEC play if he's cleared and ready to go. Right, so Auburn's going to go with Greenhill, Fitz, and then Barnett, who is replacing Auburn's closer, Jack Owen. That'll be their pitching core, correct? Well, Jack Owen wasn't a closer. He was starting this weekend. Or he, he, was a, he was a weekend starter already, but he's, right. okay, he's been right. independent in the, in the past. Barnett is the closer Barnett is turn the starter now, yes. I got you, I got you. He is replacing Jack Owen, though, yes. And so there's something new every weekend, and I said this yesterday – we haven't seen that before which with butch thompson since his first season there's always been you know and i just mean in terms of the opening weekend the opening weekend for auburn baseball there's always seemed to have been something static something that you've seen before something that's already a given a variable that's locked down going into the season for butch thompson for the last several years it feels like the only year where that wasn't the case was his first year on the plains he's built out a staff every year that's had at least an ace in it we don't know if Auburn's got an ace in this staff yet. We don't, we don't know yet because we haven't seen them do it yet. Of course, everybody's super high up on Richard Fitz. Everybody's pumped to see Greenhill in a starting role, but we haven't seen them actually do it on the field yet and, and do it from the mound yet. And so this, 
this is our first look at it and it hasn't been this way before there's actually a lot of unknowns for this Auburn baseball team going into this year despite the copious amounts of experience that they return from the team that went to Omaha two years ago they may have a lot of experience at the plate but maybe not as much in the current pitching staff and it hurts to lose a guy like Jack Owen this early who could give you some experience there especially going into that round rock classic next week it'd be nice to have him for that matchup not as much you don't worry about it as much for this opening weekend against Presbyterian because you assume that Auburn should, you know, TCB take care of business this weekend. Man, if you come out and lose a game, we talked about it yesterday. It's going you're you're gonna have a lot of people upset on Monday. I think you you want to sweep. I think if you don't I don't sweep, think that many people are gonna be upset if Auburn loses, but you would like to see a sweep. I, I feel like a lot of people are gonna have upset some if they go one and two. Oh, one and two would be upset. I think two and one, you're going to have a lot of reservations about this team. I think you're going to be a little bit worrisome. You're going to be kind of panicking a little bit going forward. But it also depends on how they come out. I think Auburn does go in and they handle this team. I just want something good to come out of it. I don't want it. I don't want three wins where you're kind of like, uh, they won, but it, what does it look like moving forward? Kind I want to see game? him hit. I want to see him dominate. If Auburn doesn't win every game this series, it's because one of those days they didn't take care of it at the plate. Because I highly doubt Auburn's going to get absolutely shelled by Presbyterian and lose if they were to go out there and score, you know, seven runs in a day and get beat eight to seven. I don't think that's going to happen. But if this Auburn team doesn't plate, you know, six runs a day, I'm going to be pretty disappointed. Actually, I would like to see Auburn you know played at least six runs in every game and people might say well that's a lot in baseball look it's not as much in college baseball when you're playing a team like Presbyterian that went two and 14 Auburn should expect to go to the plate especially with this much experience and to plate runs you got to do it this weekend you got to generate some momentum at the plate before you go and play some of the tough teams that you're taking on the Round Rock Classic is consistent is consistently one of the best tournaments in the early season in baseball. So there, there's a lot going on there for Auburn going into this series right here. This is a warm-up series, and then you got Alabama A&M as well. So you got five games before you head out there to Texas, and you want to make sure you're firing on all cylinders. I would love to see Auburn be 5-0 and going in. I would be, I'll, I'll be a little disappointed if they're not 5-0 and going into the Round Rock Classic. And to put it into perspective, just like football terms, this is like Auburn playing Alabama State early on in the season, playing an FCS school. I mean, you take you take care of business. You do the little things right, and you want to see Auburn play a complete game before they head into some of the tougher slate down the stretch. Uh, so, like you said, six runs is reasonable against a team like Presbyterian. Auburn should win handily this this Saturday, and they should sweep. You know, and I always hated those Alabama State games, or you know, insert team that you should blow out here like Tulane or Kent State always hated those games and my reasoning for that in football was nothing good ever comes of it you're not super excited when you leave and you won 45 to 0 right because you should have done that it doesn't really tell you anything but if you underperformed you're angry you had a bad day because it was probably like a 3 p.m kickoff and so you burn up watching them play bad and then on top of that you're worried about whoever you're playing next because you're like well why couldn't we blow out Kent State why couldn't we run the ball on Tulane there's more bad things that happen with those games than than something that makes you feel really good about the fact that you blew them out. Yeah, I mean, you it's, it's just like you said, it's kind of a double-edged sword because if you win, you're not that impressed. You're just like, eh, whatever. It should have happened, and that's how I view this series. Auburn should blow out Presbyterian in every single game, and I understand it's baseball and weird things can happen, but Auburn should control this series every inning of the way, right? Like, this should not be... A difficult series for Auburn whatsoever. They should go three and zero. They should sweep. They should handle business against Alabama A and M in the midweek. But the, you know, if something doesn't go as planned, 
Maybe they go, maybe they sweep, but they don't hit well. Well, then I'm like, well, you couldn't hit against Presbyterian. How, how, how can you expect to hit this upcoming weekend against the teams that are in the Round Rock Classic? So, or if you get shelled, you're like, oh man, you got shelled by Presbyterian. So it, there, there's so many things that like, if this series doesn't go to plan, then you're going into that Round Rock Classic and you're like, oh, this may not this may this may not end well right there are a lot of things to definitely take into consideration one being if you do lose to presbyterian that that looks bad whenever you play an fcs school in in college football hurts your rpi it it, you have to pay them essentially to get beat um so auburn with it with a team like this a baseball team in the sec with some form of experience should not lose to a two and 14 presbyterian team we need the john rothstein equivalent for college baseball obviously john rothstein is like the college basketball analyst we need a college baseball equivalent of that one of his sayings on his twitter account he always tweets out these different sayings he's got them for different teams and stuff but when someone loses a pay game he says you know it's insert team name here say so auburn loses a pay game to alabama state and then it's the epitome of brutality if auburn mm-hmm. loses this weekend to presbyterian that's the epitome of brutality there and uh you know i think auburn's gonna handle business this isn't something that that folks should be concerned about but you'd like to see them dominate all the way through the weekend auburn basketball will be squaring off against lsu uh we'll, we'll touch on this just a little bit here before we go to break we got about two minutes before we go to break there's a lot of action going on this weekend auburn softball's down in jacksonville florida playing in an invitational there they've got games i think against north florida and south carolina they'll be playing south carolina and that does not count as a conference game levi can you check on who the the non-SEC opponent there is so Auburn softball in action against the top 25 South Carolina team they're a top 20 team actually they're number 19 in the country so a lot going on this Auburn basketball game against LSU Lance my question to you is is this a favorable or a bad matchup for Auburn going into this weekend for Auburn basketball who will be playing tomorrow at three I I would say that it's not a favorable matchup for two reasons number one it's on the road and I understand that in this COVID environment you know road games don't necessarily have as much of a factor Um, But whenever you talk about a team like LSU, you know, they don't play defense. But Auburn doesn't play defense either. Auburn gives up about 79 points per game in conference play. LSU gives up about 76. Both teams, I believe, average somewhere around 80. So these teams both like to score. They don't like to play defense. I feel like that doesn't favor Auburn, especially on the road and where they are right now mentally. Just kind of giving out towards the end of the season. Not a whole lot to play for. But I would like to see Auburn challenge this LSU team and play a little bit of defense. And Levi, you did you did get that information. It was North Florida and Jacksonville. You yes. made note to me. There you go. So that's that's for Auburn softball as well. They'll also be taking on South Carolina this weekend. You're listening to On the Line. You are on the line with Noah Gardner and Levi Fitzwater. We'll be right back. You're on the line with Noah Gardner, Levi Fitzwater, and Lance Daw on ESPN 106.7 and on Fox Sports Central Alabama. Follow Fox Sports Central Alabama on Facebook to keep up with the latest going on in sports. On the line, The Drive with Bill Cameron, analysis, news, and more, all on Fox Sports Central Alabama on FoxSports983.com and on Facebook. That's FoxSports983.com. Phone lines are open. Number to call, 334-321-1390. We want to hear from you, whatever's on your mind. If you want to talk Auburn softball, Auburn baseball, Auburn basketball, the gamut is happening this weekend in athletics. Finally, some crossover. It's a little bit more than just basketball now. We got opening day for baseball, and then opening day for softball, of course, was last weekend 3-0. and Auburn softball team in Jacksonville. They're taking on North Florida, Jacksonville, number 19, South Carolina, 
those that that series happening across this weekend and in, in an invitational tournament over there so Auburn softball in some action uh, with a tough test against the 19th ranked Gamecocks team Auburn baseball in a three-game series this weekend opening up this Friday tonight at 4 p.m they're taking on Presbyterian and then Auburn basketball tomorrow at 3 p.m they're on the road in Baton Rouge Louisiana against LSU before we go back to talking about some of those games here some local news Auburn football offering Auburn High School defensive end slash outside linebacker, which I think based on the height and weight parameters, Powell Gordon probably a 3-4 outside linebacker in Auburn's 3-4 scheme that I think they're moving into. But Powell Gordon receiving an offer from Auburn University locally. This is huge. And then not to mention, earlier this week, we saw three-star center Court Bradley as a preferred walk-on for Auburn University he was receiving offers from other schools such as UAB he's preferred walk on to Auburn for the 2021 class so Auburn bringing in a late addition to their class with the 2021 center court Bradley Auburn University taking some interest there's also a Borgard off- offensive lineman as well that Auburn's taking an interest in here locally they're they're going on they're going after some guys when's the last time we saw something like this like it i mean it's well they failed on rashawn evans and reuben foster but they tried i mean i mean like the last time they landed a guy because i know i remember you know the whole reuben foster debacle but it's nice to see that they're taking interest in some of these local teams because i think a lot of these local schools don't get the recognition nationally that i think they deserve for sure being someone who is a who grew up in this area and has seen some of the talent that can be cultivated from some of the smaller schools like Beauregard, like even Valley High down the road or Auburn or Opelika. It's nice to see that, you know, Coach Harson is taking an interest in some of these local guys. I'm hype for Powell Gordon. I'm going to be honest. I'm really surprised that he's now ha- and he now has multiple Power 5 offers. He's got one from Auburn. He's got one from Vanderbilt. And you got to assume he's going to get more. Uh, really impressive. I didn't realize how, how well... He played this junior season, 88 total tackles, 14 sacks, 32 tackles, four loss. It's actually that's that's impressive. It was an all-state team. All-state team, legitimate numbers, like you mentioned. I don't really feel like he's much of a defensive end. Um, of course, his highlights would reflect that he does line up as an edge rusher most of the time. But I feel like whenever he does switch to college, if he does choose Auburn, he would line up in a three-four scheme. He'd probably line up at outside linebacker. Probably would play uh, really well there. Has a very. I feel like he's got a really high. Uh, football IQ he gets straight to the football on some of these highlights he's really really aware of what's going on in the play uh really really impressed with what I see from him and he's got the size to go with it 263 220 according to huddle I believe 24 7 sports has him at uh, 215 but that's a 3-4 outside linebacker that is a 3-4 outside linebacker really really it's a shock I didn't I, I know I know Powell uh personally I didn't realize how good he was didn't realize that he was being sought after this much i'm really happy he's blown him. up in the last week and a half a lot of his offers majority of his offers have came in the last week and a half he's blown up his offer list right now featuring only two power five teams of course those are the teams that are probably warmest on his trail for him auburn vanderbilt those are the two there but outside of that he's gotten offers from air force army southern miss troy tulane uab western kentucky so your general group of five teams that offer guys locally around here but he is he's blowing up and yesterday evening he got that offer from auburn university he posted it on social media it's big and I, i'm excited to see that auburn's going after some of these guys locally because look you have to build up you have to build up relationships with your own backyard for the days when your Reuben Fosters and your Rashawn Evans and some other big name guys are coming out of schools like Auburn High School out of Borgard. You got to build those relationships and take some interest in some of the other guys who maybe aren't as highly ranked as those two were, but it does set you up for future recruiting success when you start to try and 
you know, make a recruiting pipeline out of the local high schools and the local talent that's around you because it is there. And the Borgard player we were talking about earlier, Easton Harris or Eston Harris Jr., excuse me, I said Easton, it's Eston Harris Jr., three-star offensive tackle, 40, ranked number 41 in his class at offensive tackle in the 2022 class, six foot six, 275. Let me tell you, this guy's a man. I'm pretty, I'm pretty sure South Carolina offered him uh, at least last year before. Oh, he's got coaches. Power Five offers. I say I watch this calling Borgard basketball games from my days at Auburn University. I remember watching this kid play basketball, and he he is all as bit of a just a unit of a person. He is just a mass, like he just a tank. He, yeah, he's a tank. You can tell that this man, not quite the basketball player that you would want, but you could tell <laughs> on the football field that that man is a monster. Well, I'm looking at his interest list on the 24 7 sports page for him and this is the long list of offers it says it says he's offered by auburn arizona state arkansas duke florida state georgia georgia tech indiana iowa kentucky louisville wow memphis miami mississippi state missouri nc state nebraska old miss oregon penn state south carolina southern miss tennessee texas a&m usc vanderbilt virginia tech west virginia western kentucky and akron Look, if I was it says all of them, you, have, it says all of those have offered him. If I was offering you as a line or a lineman or a tight end, you're doing something right. Iowa does not like. I was I, going to say that. Like Iowa, if you're being a tight end or a lineman that's being offered by Iowa, you're good because if, they don't get bad ones. If a high-profile Big Ten school offers you a a, a a a scholarship to play tight end or offensive lineman, specifically Wisconsin or Iowa, you go. There's there's nothing else. You don't consider anything else. Go to Iowa. <laughs> They pump, they pump them into the NFL. You they will make, play in the NFL. You just look at the track record. That's fair. That's fair. Favorite Browns offensive lineman for me, Joe Thomas. He's a yes, Wisconsin sir. guy. Yes, and he's sir. one of the best tackle. He was one of the best tackles in the league when he was playing. He never missed a snap until he got hurt and then he retired. And honestly, you know, after I played that long and I just had that streak snapped, I probably would too. But now he's a media personality. It's huge. So sneaky, I, sneaky handsome that Joe Thomas is. He when he stopped playing lineman, sneaky handsome guy he is. I also think the Court Bradley commitment's a pretty big deal. Now, I, Auburn could use some help on the offensive line at every single position when you come down to when it comes down to recruiting. Of course, you know, uh, you know, after Nick Brahms, what does the center position look like for Auburn? I mean, we've seen guards move to center, we've seen tackles move to guard. Finally, Auburn's recruiting some tackles. I mean, guys are playing out of position all across that offensive line, so it's a good thing that Auburn's bringing in a local product that also blew up in terms of recruitment. Maybe not as big on the on the Power Five stage, but you talk about Court Bradley, three star there. He he can play. This this is a this is one of the best offensive linemen on Auburn's team. Yeah, you pointed out a really good point. You know, Auburn struggled obviously to get guys who actually play the tackle position, and they've struggled at left and right tackle. But you talk about how Auburn struggled so poorly at the center position these last two years. I mean, Nick Brahms isn't terrible, but he is not equipped to play high profile SEC football. I think it was what was wrong with Auburn's run blocking with the previous offensive line so the one that was super old everywhere else but center and there was a revolving door there between Caleb Kim and Nick Brahms you know basically splitting half the starts that season but you still had all the experience of Horton, Winogo, all those guys on that line they were super experienced and in terms of pass blocking you've looked up the stats that offensive line that was blocking for Bo Nix in his freshman year only gave up like one sack a game. They were a top 25 team in sacks allowed. Yep. They protected him in his freshman year. Now, this past year, not so much in the pass protection game, but they were a lot better of a run-blocking line this past year. Now, in 2019, the run-blocking 
was poor. less than ideal. I don't know if I'd go as far as to say poor, but less than ideal. They had a tr- they had a hard time running on two lane, and so less than ideal for that Auburn offensive line and run blocking. And I think that that was on the center because Auburn employed a lot of zone blocking, a lot of inside zone. Everybody should be familiar with that. It is a it is a staple of run offenses in this day and age. If you can't run inside zone, you're a bad run. You're you're a bad running team. And part of that's running back issues. Part of that was offensive line. Auburn just didn't have a great run game. And like I said, it, that, that is shared by opposing teams knew the play. They knew Auburn was going to run it up the middle. They knew, that, they knew that Auburn didn't have great running backs. And they also knew that Auburn's center at that position, I felt like it was having a hard time. Whoever was playing at that position, I felt like that position was having a hard time getting to the second level, taking linebackers out of the play. Because the linebackers are the one, or they're the ones filling the gaps. And I felt like Auburn was not, they were getting an initial push, which is why you'd see, you know, three yards of carry, but they weren't getting to that next level to take the linebackers out of the play, to be able to open up gaps and running lanes for players like Jatarvis Whitlow, Cam Martin to be able to break through. And it just didn't happen for them. And so you're spot on. Auburn center position, it's not talked about enough how underwhelming it's been. And whenever you look at what Harson's been able to do to salvage this recruiting class, he's been able to get some pieces on the offensive line and then bring in another guy, a preferred walk-on. Auburn will take as much help as they can get for this offensive line group heading into 2021. And I feel like Harson's done a fantastic job recruiting um, the, these past two or three months that he's been the head coach. Court Bradley, a big guy at 6'3", 285 or 6'3 and a half, 285. So he's fitting that, he's fitting that mold for your typical uh, center position there and looking at some of his uh, some of his interest list on the 24-7 page uh, he did not get an offer for Auburn from Auburn so he is a preferred walk-on but some some D1 offers that he's received UAB Air Force was on that list Coastal Carolina Jamie Chadwell wanted him some Court Bradley Navy was an offer there South Alabama also on that list Troy Vanderbilt did not offer so no power five offers there from from anybody for Court Bradley but still uh, listed as the uh he's a three-star listed as the number 26 offensive center in the country so and 26 center in the country is not half bad and look it's hard to it there aren't a lot of four-star centers out there the number one center in the country is a four-star not a five-star so it's a little bit it's brought down a little bit on the other side of this break we'll talk with christian clemente of auburnsports.com and the auburn plainsman stay with us here on on the line Stay on the line. More of the show when we come back. You're on the line with Levi Fitzwater, Noah Gardner, and Lance Dahl here on the on ESPN 106.7 and on Fox Sports Central Alabama. Follow ESPN 106.7 on Facebook and Twitter to keep up with the latest going on at the station. On the line, the drive with Bill Cameron, analysis, news, and more. That's all on ESPN 106.7. Find the website on ESPNAU.com. As promised, joining us on the line now, we got Christian Clemente of AuburnSports.com and the Auburn Plainsman. Christian, how you doing today, my man? I'm doing good. Happy it's Friday. How about yourself, Noah? That's right. I'm doing great. I'm happy it's Friday, working for the weekend, and it's a it's a sporty weekend. And finally, some good weather out here on the Plains. Auburn baseball in action, Auburn basketball in action, Auburn softball. There's a lot going on uh, for you, which what, I'm sure you're going to have your eyes on it all, but what, what's the thing you're looking forward to most? Uh, you know, I'm a basketball guy, and without a game this past week, I am really looking forward to seeing how Auburn can come out and play against LSU on Saturday. We've talked about this a little bit in the studio so far, and 
These two teams are very similar when you look at roster makeup and what they're looking to do. These two teams very offensive. They don't play a lot of defense. Is that a favorable matchup for Auburn or a favorable matchup for LSU going into this game? Uh, based on the scores, I would say it's a favorable matchup for LSU. I mean, they've got four guys that can really score the ball and score the ball well. Uh, Cameron Thomas is leading the SEC in scoring as a freshman. He's been incredible, and they've got three other guys they can go to. So I think it favors LSU. I mean, in theory, it does favor Auburn just because they struggle to defend and they're more of an offensive team, but I just don't know if they're really going to be able to shut down LSU and what they're going to try and do. Bruce Pearl had his press conference today. What was kind of the highlights of what he had to say this afternoon? You know, this is a little bit off topic from tomorrow's game, but I think the biggest note was the update on Justin Powell. Uh, Bruce said he's not cleared to return to practice yet, and there's still probably, I would have to venture to guess, he won't come back this season, but he is doing better. He's finally able to do his schoolwork. Bruce said he couldn't even really do his schoolwork in January, which is really tough to hear. And he has returned to the weight room a couple days a week, and he's been able to get some shots up. So it's good to hear that Justin's doing better now. That is really good to hear about Justin Powell. I mean, we've been kind of worried about him most of the year. Where do you think Auburn's shooting guards fall in line without him for the rest of the year if he does not come back this year? Yeah, I think they're going to keep sticking with Devin Cambridge starting at the two and then probably going to Jamal Johnson and Chris Moore a little bit playing two. I know Chris Moore plays the three a little bit as well, but they'll kind of be those guys. And, you know, Alan Flanagan subs in there too. Bruce really loves to switch around his twos and threes a little bit, so – It'll be a mixture of those guys. You mentioned Chris Moore. The guy's brought in as a power forward to Auburn, and now he's moving all the way down to the two. What's happening there with uh, with Chris Moore under uh, Bruce Pearl's tutelage? Yeah, uh, Bruce always refers to him as the classic college tweener, where in high school he played the forward, but he comes to college, he's just not big enough to play the forward. But it's kind of funny, even playing guard, you can see some of those forward tendencies. He's in great spots to get rebounds. Um, he plays physical, he plays tough, he's a great defender, and he's really surprised me so far this year. I thought it would take him a little bit while, little while to adjust to being a college guard, and it has. He hasn't been incredible or anything like that, but I think he's really showed what he can do, and I think next year he's a guy you could really look out for to be a key contributor to that team. He's kind of bulky, too. You know, I mean, he's really filled out. He's one of the, he's one of the more large guys on this team i would say he's one of the larger guys on this team when you're talking about how muscular he is i feel like he can bully any guard out there on the floor as well it's been fun to see him come in and pop a couple of threes here and there this auburn game coming up against lsu you've already mentioned that auburn didn't get to play a game this week mississippi state game got postponed uh i don't we don't know if it's going to be rescheduled or what day it'll be rescheduled for but was that a chance for auburn to catch its breath and maybe reset considering they're one and three in their last four games yeah, it was. Bruce said it was a good chance for them to work on them. Obviously, he wishes it was kind of more of a known bye week. He would have adjusted the practice schedule a little bit, but he still believes it was really good for the team to get a little bit of extra rest. Um, he said the players were able to catch up academically. They were able to work on themselves a little bit, which is good. And I think it's just good for Auburn. And I think one of the players that will help out the most is Sharif Cooper. I mean, he's playing a lot of minutes since he's come back. He plays like 36 minutes a game without Justin Powell to help him out as the backup point guard and Alan Flanagan having to do those duties a little bit. But Sharif has played a ton of minutes since he came back, and he missed practice for 72 days. He was in good shape, but he probably was not in great shape. So I think this was probably a good opportunity for him to get some rest. 
Christian, you talk about guard play, and we're, when we're talking about a guy like Alan Flanagan, who has had his moments this season, especially in SEC play, but has been really inconsistent. How does Auburn utilize him heading into these last four games? Obviously, he struggled from the, outside the arc, and we're seeing guys like Chris Moore and JT Thor who are starting to develop that, that three-point stroke. How does Auburn utilize Alan Flanagan moving forward? You know, I think Bruce needs to just tell Alan Flanagan to focus on his strengths. Alan Flanagan is not a point guard, and it's unfortunate for him, but he has to play point guard right now, or backup point guard at least. So I think Bruce needs to just tell Alan to play him, and especially when Shreve Cooper is on the floor, be that best defender on the floor that Alan Flanagan really can be, and focus on his game, which as of recently we've seen, he backs, I mean, he's 6'5", and he plays like a guard, but he loves going in the post and backing guys down. And then he loves attacking the basket. So I think Bruce needs to just tell Allen to focus on him. And I think Allen will be okay. We're speaking with Christian Clemente of AuburnSports.com and the Auburn Plainsman. Staying on the topic of Auburn basketball down the stretch here. You know, we know at least we have four more games remaining. LSU, Florida, Tennessee, and Alabama. We'll see about that Mississippi State game getting rescheduled. Auburn sitting at 11-11. and 11. We asked you this question last week about Auburn finishing with a winning record. Has You, you said last week, yes. Has that answer changed? Uh, you know, I'm gonna, I, still think, I still think they'll finish with a winning record. I think they're going to lose to LSU, and I think they're going to lose to Florida. They're going to fall to 11-13, and 13, but I think they'll win their last three. And it's of note, too, Bruce Pearl said today he believes the Mississippi State game will be played on March 6th. Nothing is official yet, but that's what he thinks it's going to be. So I think Auburn's going to win their last three, which they've got two really tough games in there with Alabama and Tennessee. But it's just a gut feeling. I feel like Bruce is going to be able to get them get them out on a high note for this year. Hey, I'm here for that gut feeling. That would be that would be a hype way to end the year, especially when you're talking about you got two McDonald's All-American nominees in this upcoming recruiting class. And, of course, everybody's excited about Jabari Smith. Trey Alexander's no joke as well. Uh, talk a little bit about Jabari Smith, though. I'm, I, I've asked some folks about this before. It kind of seems like borderline what Kevin Durant looked like coming out of high school. I hate to, I hate to put that type of lofty expectations on the guy, but he's 6'10". He likes to shoot. He's not really a back to the basket guy. He's he's going to stretch you out across the floor, and that was Kevin Durant's game. Yeah, I mean it is crazy to think about the talent that's going to be in the front court next year. You're going to have JT Thor, Jabari Smith. Jalen Williams and some other guys, Dylan Cardwell too. But those three are really kind of those stretch four, stretch five players. And Jabari Smith is unlike any player Auburn fans have seen. He is a guy I can guarantee you right now, you're going to see him for 30 plus games in an Auburn uniform. And then he is going to be a top 10 pick in the NBA draft. And that's the last time you're going to see Jabari Smith in an Auburn uniform. Possible top five pick. Incredible player. Yeah, he could easily be a top five pick, but he's, He's going to be at least a top 10 pick for sure. Right. And it is going to be interesting to see how Bruce handles having him, Jalen Williams, and JT Thor. It's a fun problem for Bruce Pearl to have. He has almost too much talent in the front court. Fun question here before we switch over to baseball. You've said you're 51%. I think you're the one who has said that you're 51% on the side that Sharif Cooper's returning. Am I right in saying that you were the one that said that? Yeah. Are you still, is that still what you're feeling right now, or has the needle moved any? That's just what I've been sticking with. I've been saying it for <laughs> I've been saying it for a while now. Really, ever since he came back, just a gut feeling. I just feel like Bruce is going to be able to sell him on, hey, come back for a year, compete for a national championship. And Sharif is one of those 
players that's in a unique situation where his family has quite a bit of money, so get into the league in a hurry isn't necessarily a huge issue for him. And he does have things he could work on, so I think just a gut feeling, but I think Bruce will be able to sell him on coming back for one more year. Switching over to baseball, Auburn in opening day today against Presbyterian College. What's on your mind going into this baseball series? Because there's a lot of new things going on, especially with the pitching staff. you got three guys in new starting roles going into this season. What's on your mind going into baseball season? Yeah, I think pitching is the biggest thing for me. Cody Greenhill is starting tonight, which, as Auburn fans will remember, he's been the closer. So now he's moving into a starter role, so it'll be interesting to see what he does. Richard Fitz is taking the mound tomorrow. I think Richard Fitz is going to be – I think by the end of the year he'll be the best pitcher on Auburn's staff. He's been – very good in practices from what we've heard and what we've seen. And then also the catching situation is a little interesting. Um, Steven Williams, who came to Auburn as a catcher, is kind of moving back in that role a little bit, getting a little bit of experience there with Matt Scheffler gone. So it'll be interesting to see what he does. Bush Thompson said yesterday that Steven Williams is most comfortable with Cody Greenhill. So if Steven Williams is going to get a look at catcher this weekend, it'll probably be tonight. So that'll be something to look out for when the lineup comes out. That would be absolutely wild. And I wonder what that means for the outfield for Auburn. I, I don't know if you have any thoughts on that because he's played right fielder a lot. I wonder what that means for the outfield and what extra yeah, bat comes into the lineup. I think they're looking to try and get Bryson Ware into the lineup somewhere, and so that's where he would slot in. He would slot into one of those corner outfield spots. Um, and he's the first-year player, I believe, from a Juco. I might be wrong on that one, but he has been incredibly impressive in practices. The coaches cannot stop praising him enough. So they were really looking to find a way to get him into the lineup somehow. Christian, I appreciate you taking the time to hop on with us. Tell everybody where they can find you at. Yes, you can find me at AuburnSports.com and theplainsman.com, along with on Twitter at Clemente underscore. And uh, you know, are you what 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 all what all games are you going to be covering this weekend? Is it just the basketball game, or are you going to have some baseball coverage for folks as well? Uh, I'll have a little bit of baseball, but I'm mostly going to be focusing on basketball. I've got. Brian Matthews at Auburn Sports, he's going to be doing a lot of the baseball stuff. And then at the Plainsman, we've got some other kids doing some baseball stuff. But I'll definitely be keeping an eye on baseball and keeping people updated on that. And softball as well. They've got a solid start to the year. They went 3-0 and last weekend. so And a big game this weekend, too. They'll be playing South Carolina, 19th ranked in the country. Christian, yeah. I appreciate it, my man. I hope you have a good weekend. Thank you. You as well. That was Christian Clemente of AuburnSports.com and the Auburn Plainsman. We'll be back with more of On the Line on the other side of this break. Noel Gardner, Levi Fitzwater, and Lance Dahl with you on today's show. We'll be back in just a moment. On the Line on Fox Sports Central Alabama on 98.3 FM and ESPN 106.7. Back on On the Line, wrapping up hour number one here on ESPN 106.7 and on Fox Sports Central Alabama. Keep up with all the content the show is putting out on RadioAlabamaSports.net and on the Radio Alabama Sports Facebook page. Follow it on Twitter as well at, at @RadioAlSports. It's the place to be for Auburn and Alabama content as well as high school sports content. Once again, that's RadioAlabamaSports.net. We're going to wrap up hour number one here with taking a look at what's on TV tonight. 
Hey everybody, it's Noah Gardner with What's On Tonight. What is the new invention on Shark Tank? Ladies, apparently an entrepreneur has solved the age-old problem creating high heels that are sexy and comfortable. New episode of Shark Tank on ABC at 7. Movie selection for tonight, there have been several renditions of Robin Hood over the years. You can catch the 2018 edition with Taron Egerton and Jamie Foxx on Sci-Fi at 7.30. Mid-major teams rule the night in Friday college basketball. If that's your stuff, we've got the schedule for you. At the 6 p.m. time slot, St. Louis and Dayton play on ESPN2. Monmouth and Iona are on ESPNU. And Akron Ball State is on CBS Sports Network. Moving to 8 p.m., you've got Wyoming at New Mexico on CBS Sports Network. Toledo at Buffalo on ESPN2. And at 9 on FS1 with possibly the best game of the night, it'll be Utah State at Boise State. In the NBA, we've got two games on ESPN. At 6.30, the Bulls are at the 76ers. And at 9, the Jazz and the Clippers wrap up the night. I'm Noah Gardner, and that's what's on TV tonight. And at the top of our number two, we've got Auburn legend Simeon Bowers on the show with us. So make sure you stick around for that. That will be airing at 3 p.m. here today on On the Line. You can also find the podcast wherever you get your podcast. You'll be able to find that as well. I'm excited for that conversation coming up. Absolutely pumped to be uh, to be able to share that conversation with everybody we pre-recorded earlier today so i hope everybody enjoys that conversation that we're going to have with send me on bowers coming up at the top of our number two phone lines are open here though for the for the last little bit of our number one three three four three two one thirteen ninety we want to hear from you but let's now welcome in intern sting to the show now for crunching the numbers with sting sting what numbers do you have for us going into the weekend are they basketball are they baseball what you got for me i got all basketball numbers for the lsu game i didn't even really think to look for baseball stuff yeah that was shame a total oversight but <laughs> shame I'm, I'm the most excited in this studio about auburn baseball it's a hundred percent 100%. I mean, I'm excited too. I just You too will join the dark side. I was like, <laughs> oh, I'm I excited about P's and C's in the major league, but yeah, you know. We've we, we been about over it. this. I love me some baseball. <laughs> but yeah, so first thing I got is uh, LSU has uh, this player by the name of Cameron Thomas. He's, he's pretty good. He leads yes, the he SEC is. in scoring. And he has actually scored 16 plus points in every single game this season except for one. Wow. And that one game is he had zero points because he only played four minutes. Who wow. was it against? I think it was Ole Miss. Hmm. Why not, did he only play four minutes? I'm not Do we sure know? why. I, probably I, I an could, injury. Could find why. I would think maybe just a one-game injury kind of deal. But yeah, 16 of points. Carrying. He's a guard, yeah. and I would imagine... He his back, yeah. right? Right. He's a guard, and I would imagine he is going to do much of the same to Auburn's backcourt as well because Auburn's backcourt is not very good at defense. I will be curious to see who is manning up against him, but it doesn't really matter. Auburn switches like every time they screen. So, or every time an opponent screens, Auburn's playing a little bit closer to positionless basketball than they have been under Bruce Pearl and on the defensive side of the basketball. I don't know how they're going to handle that, but I have a, I, I have a, I have a good feeling Auburn's going to continue to switch on defense because a big reason why they switch is because Auburn is terrible at guarding screens, like on-ball screens. Pfft, forget about it because they, they can't. They're having a hard time fighting through them, and that, that's. I mean, teams employ it on every possession as you should in any level of basketball. You're going to see it, but Auburn's not very good at guarding it, and so they just switch. And I, I imagine they'll probably be switching on every screen tonight as well. Yeah, and the other thing here is LSU doesn't play a whole lot of close games. A lot of their games are decided by double digits. They're eight and four in the SEC. Three of those twelve games have been decided by single digits, and I think it's all. So either they two, get three, blown out points. or they do the blowing out. Pretty and we much. actually examined their schedule yesterday. 
really haven't beaten anybody until they beat Tennessee this past weekend. And the big thing about LSU was they opened up SEC play 5-1, and one, and they got destroyed by 30 against Alabama in the midweek. And you and I, Levi, we picked LSU to beat Alabama in that game. I remember that. Oof. And it went sideways from that moment on for LSU. They've only really beaten the, the worst teams that the SEC has to offer, your Texas A&Ms, things like that. And so this LSU team, I think they've beaten Florida, but I know they've just now beaten Tennessee as well this past weekend. They, they really didn't have a whole lot to hang their hat on as far as SEC wins, but it seems like on their most recent stretch of victories here, their, their last two victories, it seems like they might be pulling out of that considering the 18-point win that they have over Tennessee. I'm curious to see what this team looks like on Saturday against Auburn because they have a lot to play for. Yeah, and Auburn plays lots of close games. That's kind of the flip side. Six of Auburn's eight SEC losses have been by five points or less. I think on KimPom.com, ranked as the 315th most unlucky Unlucky. team, according to KimPom.com. And and, and people out there may be like, well, how do you quantify luck? Uh, Well, KimPom.com defines it basically as a deviation from what their efficiency margins are. So basically, are you losing close games or are you winning close games? Are you winning games that maybe the the metrics may not be expecting you to win? Then that might be you know that might be an indicator of a lucky team. If you're not winning those games, which Auburn is by all you know by all points, and you look at them on KenPop.com, they're actually not a bad team. They're still top sixty, you know, and you wouldn't see that typically for an eleven and eleven SEC team. They're still top sixty. They go into some of these games where they they look to where they should win, like Ole Miss and Georgia, and then they don't win. It it, it pegs them as a rather unlucky team. And it's uncharacteristic for a Bruce Pearl team. We've seen in the past, I think, two seasons, Auburn's been able to climb back into games that they they should have lost because they've had veteran players that are capable of bringing them back into these games. Auburn doesn't have that this year. When you talk about you know moving forward into next season, why everybody's so excited is they're going to have some guys coming back and they're going to have some serious talent coming in. So to be able to mix a blend of youth and veteran leadership uh, is going to make Auburn more of a lucky team. It's what Alabama did this this year. Right. They they brought in a they're one of their best recruiting classes that they've had, the best recruiting recruiting class they've had under Nate Oates. They bring in some studs that are now freshmen, but they also had a blend of experience of guys that have been on the roster for forever. Guys like John Petty, Herb Jones has been around the block for a little while. But then you also have that you had the grad experience of Jordan Bruner. So like this Alabama team, they had the perfect experience mix of of all those guys that have been on the roster, seniors, juniors, sophomores, but then you add in those freshmen who are uber talented as well. What other numbers you got for us? I got one more, and it's kind of a uh, matchup nightmare for Auburn tomorrow. We know we've been hammering this point home that Auburn turns the ball over about, right now it's about 16 and a half times per game. There's only Ugh. one team in the country in the Power Five conferences that is worse than Auburn, and it's Georgia. I think Georgia turns it over 17 times a game. LSU steals the ball 8.8 times per game. Hmm. Do we have numbers on how many times they turn over opposing teams? I can look at you it. can find that on Sports Reference. So just for quick yeah, research I purposes, could probably there. Go look at that at the break. This is just one but. of those like massive, massive nightmare like matchups. Like it's yeah. like it's it's literally like you're playing your weaknesses right now. LSU turns teams over 14 and a half times a game. That's pretty good. In conference, that's play, pretty good. It is also 14 and a half. So that's, that's pretty good. Auburn that's good. tends to cough it up on their own a lot too. So. So Auburn's going to get blown out this weekend is what it looks like on paper. I have a bad LSU's feeling. LSU's a much that, better offensive team at home. Yeah, I, I have a bad feeling that Auburn will probably beat their average for, for the season and turnovers. I'll do y'all one better. I think Auburn's going to show up this weekend. Think they so? got that reset button. They know how important this game is. I think they're going to show up. Thor drops 30. <laughs> I wouldn't go that far, but <laughs> that's it for hour number one. On the other side of this break, we got Simeon Bowers on the line with us. You're going to want to stick around for that conversation. Stay here with us on the line.
You are on the line live on Fox Sports Central Alabama on 98.3 FM in Birmingham and Sylacauga and in Auburn and Opelika on ESPN 106.7. Listen online at foxsports983.com or espnau.com. You are on the line with Noah Gardner and Levi Fitzwater. Join the show by calling 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. Back on On the Line, Noah Gardner here with you on ESPN 106.7 and on Fox Sports Central Alabama. We got a special guest for everybody today starting off hour number two, former Auburn basketball player Simeon Bowers here on the line with us. Simeon I appreciate you taking the time to join us on the show today. How you doing today, buddy? Doing good, man. Thanks for having me. Well, uh, before we get into this, kind of tell everybody, you know, what you've been up to lately. I know uh, it's been a couple of years since you've been on the planes, I'm sure, but uh, what's been going on with you and your life lately? Uh, man, life's been great, man. I've been uh, being a father to my kid, my daughter, Danny. Uh, you guys probably remember her from back in the day. Uh, I took a little time off for basketball, but I'm still working out, you know, since Corona hit. Uh the job's been up and down with the basketball situation. So for me to keep, you know, keep surviving, you know, I had to venture off. You know I mean? I had to use my degree, you know, and I'm a businessman. I own group homes and, you know, I, I own uh, French Bulldogs. So, you know, I got a lot, a lot of things going on, man. You know, just got to stay afloat. Well, recently you announced that you're joining War Ready, the uh, the rebrand from War Tampa and the, the basketball tournament last year. And uh, this year, they're they're accumulating a crew of former Auburn basketball players, and you're the latest addition to a roster that's featuring Malik Dunbar, Laron Smith, Daniel Purifoy, Deshaun Murray. How excited are you to be joining the basketball tournament team? Man, I'm so excited, man. I never played with any of those guys. You just dang. I only played with Denzel in practice. Denzel's a great player. He's a dog. He's a like that's what we need to win for the TPT this year. All the guys you just named. Our dog, so I'm, I'm so happy I get, I get to play with them this year. I never play with them. I always like the game. With the basketball tournament, you know, what what makes it such an exciting event? Have you ever participated in it before, or is this your first time? Yeah, I participated. I played with uh, Marquette Golden Eagles for two years straight. You know, we, we we got closer and closer each year. Last year, they won it all. I didn't play last year because Corona, and I wasn't in shape. I ain't gonna lie. I wasn't even ready to play basketball. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, ever since then, though, man, I missed. They, they won the last year, so I missed the opportunity. So, and I mean, so that just gave me more fire to, you know, get back to it and work out, get my body right, you know, and be ready. I mean, for this year, the goal has got to be to win it all, right? What's the mentality for this team going into this year's TBT? Because I'm sure you guys want to bring home the the prize money, but still in the process of building a roster and everything. You know, what's what's it look like over the next six months yeah, as far as team building is concerned and, and getting ready and preparing. For uh for TBT, uh we just got to be ready, man. We got to come prepared. Defense is the key. If you get defense and get stops, man, we're gonna win, man. So before the tournament, we got to build chemistry. So practices and just being around the team is is a plus to win this tournament, man. You know, I was so close a couple times, Marquette, Golden Eagles, man. But I mean, it all it all came back to defense. You know, we I mean, so defense, defense, defense. 
I know you probably can't divulge a lot of this information here, and I know you probably don't want to, you know, give away the War Ready's thunder or anything here. But uh, I'm sure there are, there are some names out there, probably in the waiting, of former Auburn basketball players. You may not be able to say any, but uh, do you guys have some kind of in the waiting that that'll be revealed over time uh, for War Ready? Yeah, man, I can't, I can't, I can't really say nothing. Man. <laughs> <laughs> I really can't say nothing, man. We, we, we got a lot of dogs, man. We coming ready though. I, I really feel like we're gonna win it. I mean, you know, when I say something, it, it happens. You know, like, 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 like when I said we're going to beat Kentucky that year, we beat Kentucky. <laughs> well, I well, mean, so I feel like, I mean, we're going to win the TBT this year. I like it. I like that. That's a very Joe Namath-like guarantee. I, and, and let's go back to then, that, that, that year where Auburn beat Kentucky. Would, would yeah, that be safe? Yeah, bro. <laughs> would, that be, uh, would that be safe to say, one of the, you know, one of the biggest moments for you on campus at Auburn, or or is there another memory oh, yeah, that maybe definitely. even takes over that? Most definitely, I still get chills. I got chills in my body right now. I'm talking about it. Well, what do you remember? What yeah, do you remember I, from that day? I remember, man. I remember the press conference, man. When I said my guards are better than Kentucky guards, I told everybody that my guards that I'm playing with are better than Kentucky guards. I don't care who they is. And that's all I remember from that day. And we got on the court, and I mean, we made it happen. We won the game. Was that the game that Kareem Canny had, a, had you know, just went wild in the second half? Yeah, Kareem had like 30. The Harris had like 20. What was it like playing with Kareem Canny? Kareem is a good player. I like him, man. He shoot, he shoot the ball from wherever. Good guy. Got no complaints about him. He might, he might be in addition to the team. I don't know yet. <laughs> I ain't going to say nothing, though. You know what I mean? But never know. I definitely know that that would be a fan favorite for me. I, I know his his play style trans, translating to the TBT would, would would probably be flawless, you know, because it is a little bit more yeah, of got, a, it is a little yeah, bit more of a pickup I'm gonna, game. Yeah, I'm gonna have to talk to him and get his hair right, man. You know, Kareem kind of crazy too. That's my <laughs> little brother, man. So I got to talk to him. There you go. You know, well, that, well, that's what I'm gonna bring to the team this year, man. I mean, I really don't care about playing. I'm gonna like when I get on the court, I'm gonna you know I'm gonna do what I do. Every rebound, I'm gonna get everybody involved. I'm to play hard, be aggressive, be a dog. That's my goal, you know, to just encourage the younger younger dudes to just keep going, play defense, don't worry about mistakes, just keep going, just encourage them and be, I mean, be that vocal, be the vocal point of the team. You know? Going back to your time at Auburn, you know, what what, what led you to the Plains? What led me to the Plains? Yeah. Uh, Really, man, at the Juco, man, I had, you know, I had a couple, couple of troubles and stuff, man, and, 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 and Bruce Pearl was the only guy that that mean that, that that still wanted to deal with me. You know what I mean? So I really appreciate that. You know what I mean, and Frank Martin came and saw me too, but I decided to go with Bruce Pearl. You know what I mean? So I don't know. Bruce, he's just a good guy, man. Bruce is just a genuine person. Just a really good guy, man. Treated me like family. I had my own room at his house. I probably don't know that. <laughs> yeah, he said I come over whenever. I just, you know what I mean. <laughs> is that is that so door still open for you? Dinner, just, huh? Is that door still open for you? You still got a room there? Oh yeah, I, I definitely. I know I, I know I can come over whenever. <laughs> <laughs> when was the last time you and Bruce saw each other? I ain't saw Bruce in like I ain't saw Bruce since I graduated. I think you've been busy, I'm sure. Yeah, man. I gotta. I hit up Steven. Man. I gotta go. I gotta go holler. I gotta go talk to Steven. Man. Steven, my guy. <laughs> Well, uh, well, if you don't mind me asking, you know, when we were talking off air about uh, about landing, I assume you meant a plane. But uh, where are you at right now? Right now, I'm in Wisconsin. Okay. Yeah, I'm moving to Atlanta uh, this summer. 
So you'll be you'll be in this neck of the woods, I guess, being able to possibly be able to come back over and see Bruce Pearl. You have to stop by the studio too and uh, and and holler at us. Maybe we can get you maybe we can get you in in person and, and talk to everybody too as well. But let's uh, transition back to maybe uh, talking about this Auburn basketball program here. You know, it, it's came such a long way since since maybe you've been on campus, and I don't know how often you get to watch them play. What's the biggest difference maybe you see right now with Auburn's program versus when you were on campus? Uh, people uh, they. Uh, Coach Pearl, he got him. He got him just trying harder. Everybody just play hard. I see, you know, like nobody is lackadaisical on the court. Ever since we left, ever since uh, 2016, everything since then been just great. Like it's just, it's been amazing to watch. Man. Bruce Pearl did a great job with that program, uh, and I know how he coached. I know how he drew. I wish we would have locked in and did. I mean, and, and listened. <laughs> Obviously, we didn't. I mean, so we didn't win as much, but we had a good team, you know. But man, I love watching Auburn play. No man, they just—they unbelievable, man. That year they went to the Final Four, man. I was—I won so much money. I, I bet a lot of money. Bro. <laughs> well, uh, <laughs> question to you then is uh, when you were when you were on campus and you were part of that first group there for Bruce Pearl that kind of laid the foundation for these guys to come after you. Without you guys, you know, d- does any of this happen? Yeah, nah, nah. Oh, I can't even say that. No, I can't. I can't predict the future. I know I started. I know I started that stuff though. I was, I was, I was Bruce Pearl first signing man, and I mean, and I gave him my full hundred percent. I mean, I thought I'm gonna be a dog. I'm gonna do whatever he want, and that's what I did. You know what I mean? I really can't speak for the future. I mean, I just know I started the program. Not, not on no cocky stuff, but you know, I, I, I Bruce Pearl reached out to me, and I mean, came to a mutual agreement, and I signed. I felt the love, you know. And, and with Bruce, though, you know, in his first, you know, when he first got on campus and you guys were a part of that, you know, the groundbreaking of a new program. I mean, Auburn Auburn had been around for many, many years, but the basketball program virtually ir- irrelevant before you guys got on campus. What what was Bruce preaching to you guys to help build something? You know, what was he selling y'all? Uh, just always stick together. We have family. Whatever whatever adversity hit, we just, just stick together, man. And always play hard, man. And defense. He always calls defense, man. Defense, defense, defense. You're actually a, really an Auburn icon with your ball handling skills. And, uh, you know, people love to call you the point center or the point forward to come through <laughs> Auburn. You know, very LeBron-like, you know, forward ball handling-like skills at Auburn is the way people talk about you still in the area. I mean, I, I don't know if you know that, but you are an Auburn icon with your skill set. Uh, what, what's that mentality like for you to, to be a forward but to – to go coast to coast so often, and, and to you know have your prototypical behind the back dribble. I mean, you you, you know there was nothing too big I mean, I for uh, wait, for Simeon to, Bowers. I can't wait to bring that out. I can't <laughs> wait to bring that out behind the back. But no, man, I just always want to be a point guard. You know, and, uh, I was only six six, only six 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 seven. You know, so I just always like to dribble the ball, and, and I like to just play hard. So you know, and I was always tougher than all the big guys. So that's why I always play center. You know, so I love it, man. Just. I watch a lot of, I like I like watching guards play, man. They 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 just to watch. You know, I just try to copy what they do. I just try it. You know, sure. And it's and it's worked out for you. It's definitely been a big part of your game, and people take it seriously. They have to, or else blow by right in a dunk. Right. Uh, yeah, they, yeah, they got to take me serious. They better take me serious. <laughs> Last question <laughs> for you. What's kind of you know favorite memory of yours? So when you were on on the planes. Favorite memory. Uh, I graduated, man. That was that was uh, that was a blessing, man. A relief. Like we're we're talking. Like I worked so hard to graduate, man. And Steven, 
Steve Perker boss for me, man. He was a big help. He really got me got me through. It was that was it was crazy, man. It was, that, 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 that's, that's that's the one thing I remember though, man. He graduated. That was, it was just a relief. I got I got chills now talking about it. I still had nightmares to graduate. For real. It was tough, man. That was one of my greatest. That's one of the most things I remember. Congratulations on that, and uh, you know, and and congrats on joining War Ready. I'm I'm looking forward to getting to watch you uh, play some basketball this summer in the TBT and seeing some of the other guys come along. Oh yeah, man. I'm a little lighter too, man. I'm like 245, man. I'm good shape. I'm, I'm ready. Hey, you're ready to be a guard, right? You're you're ready to run point guard for them. They need man, a point playing, guard right now. I, I play. I play point guard, swing guard, center, water boy, coach, fan. Whatever, whatever we play. I love it. I love it. Simeon, I appreciate you hopping on with us today. Hey, don't be a stranger. We'd love to talk to you again sometime soon. No problem, man. War Eagle. War Eagle. You are on the line with Noah Gardner and Levi Fitzwater. We'll be right back. Back on On the Line here on ESPN 106.7 and on Fox Sports Central Alabama. Noah Gardner, Levi Fitzwater, Lance Dahl with you in the studio. Hope everybody enjoyed that conversation there with former Auburn basketball player and now member of War Ready. That was Send Me On Bowers on the line with us. If you missed any of that conversation and you want to go back and listen to the entire thing, find the podcast wherever you get your podcast. That'll be put up after the show today. Now we got a caller on the line with us. We're going to head to the phone lines. The number to call 334-321-1390. On the line with us now, we got Terry from Talladega. Terry, it's good to hear from you, my man. Great talk, y'all. How y'all doing? We're doing good. Just happy it's Friday. Happy Friday. Hey, guys, is it a foregone conclusion, in your guys' opinion, uh, that, that Cooper's going pro? Is that why the, the discussion about the front court? Uh, front court excuse me. You know, I I don't know. I think you I don't know, either. See, I, I say I'm not I'm not I'm not sold on either because I, I guys played what 15, 18 games probably. Right, and you know I think he's I think he's a bona fide top ten pick because mock drafts right. have him there, and I, and the NBA draft scene is a little bit more uh, concrete than it is in, in the NFL. Like guys, their draft stock changes you know the night before the NFL draft, you know, oh, based sure, on certain yeah. things. And so with the NBA, I think it is pretty solid that Sharif, if he did go, would be a top ten pick, but. Sharif's shooting's not where it needs to be at going into the league. He'd still get drafted. I think he might struggle, you know, his first year offensively. Aside from, you know, his passing ability would be great. He'll be able to set up his teammates, you know, average, you know, probably near 10 assists a game with the way he passes. But his shooting ability's not quite where it needs to be at. You know, we talked to him. Go ahead. I'm just not sure. I'm just not sold. He's he's got, he's got, still, I still think, I still like to believe as an Auburn fan, he's got unfinished business on the Plains. Right. And we spoke and with that's, uh, that's just the optimism in me is what that is. We spoke with Christian Clemente earlier in the show, and uh, he writes for AuburnSports.com and the Auburn Plainsman, and he uh, he he's been famous kind of for saying on our show. He said, you know, I'm I'm 51 sure that Sharif Cooper will come back to Auburn, and I'm and I'm pro- and I'm on that side of things. I think he's coming back to Auburn, and I'm probably 51 sure as well because how can you turn down a top 10 NBA p- pick? But if Bruce Pearl's going to sell something to him, it's going to sell him the fact that. He's going to have loads of talent around him next year, and they're going to have a shot to win a national championship next year. Without a doubt, Auburn's a top ten team as far as talent's concerned next season, and that'll be what yeah, he's going to sell. Cooper, they're a Final Four for sure. I mean, they are, and they they got robbed in the Final Four a few years ago. I think against Virginia. I, I know I'm not alone in thinking that, but 
with them back, and I just feel like the kid has unfinished business down there. I just really do. That's just a personal feeling, and that's probably a little bit of a hope in there too. So that's how everybody's feeling, and I'm with you. I'm right there with you. I'd love to see him play with those guys next year with the guys that he's around because you have to you have to think that these freshmen are going to improve that are around them guys like jt thor dylan cardwell you have to think those guys are going to get a lot better but then there's some other guys who are sophomores like alan flanagan and devin cambridge who you know is going to get better as well and then you're adding in you know the highest rated recruit auburn's ever brought in he's going to be a mcdonald's all-american i mean this team's going to be so talented next year and it's going to be hard to you know sometimes really talented teams don't make it to a final four or a championship just because the tournament is is such a slog but they're definitely final four national championship talent you know for them to be able to win something next year so that'll be the thing but the interesting you know pre- we don't really have a precedent like this before the only other guy that Bruce Pearl's had that, that could go top 10 is Isaac Okoro last year and he told Isaac Okoro to go pro so I wonder if he takes the same stance with Sharif but what was Okoro was he a, was he a freshman or a sophomore he was a freshman he's a freshman okay so I don't I don't know I just I guess that I'm hoping he's speaking optimistically I'm just hoping that the kid will say, I've got unfinished business on the planes, and I want to finish it out on, on, a, on a good note. So we'll, we'll see. But and you're right about that talent. I don't know that Auburn's ever been that loaded in basketball. I don't think I mean, so either. I don't know they've ever been that loaded in football. Auburn so, too deep-wise on basketball next year. I mean, they're going to have 10 guys that can do a lot of damage. Is Bruce Pearl a guy that y'all think a bigger school, a more basketball-oriented school will come after? Uh, I mean, we, uh, do I have it right? I had a, a co-worker on tell me we got a basketball poll right now, and I don't follow it that closely, quite honestly. But no, Duke, North Carolina, Kentucky in the poll. Uh, that's right, and Kentucky's See, like five and thirteen. <laughs> that's good. unbelievable to me that the, those three major blue bloods are not in the top twenty-five. That's just that's just unbelievable. I really wonder about Kentucky hiring a, a guy like Bruce Pearl. If if you know, I I think Calipari is a little bit closer to the hot seat than maybe most people do. Not this year. I don't. I regardless of what happens this year, Calipari will not be fired, in my opinion. But nah, say, say there's another subpar year next year. Maybe they finish. You know, maybe they get bounced out of the tournament in the first two rounds. I could see him being let go, and I could see Bruce Pearl showing up on that type of job radar. But the thing is. Bruce Pearl has coached at at Kentucky's two biggest basketball rivals in this in this conference. He's coached at Tennessee and, and Auburn now, and I kind of sure. wonder if Tennessee if Kentucky's got some bad blood for a guy like like Bruce Pearl if they'd be willing to even take a look. Well, I don't, you know, I mean, I mean, there was discussion a couple of years ago that, that Jeremy Pruitt could come to Auburn. So I don't, I don't, I, don't, I never believed it, but there was there was talk of it, and I, I said Jeremy Pruitt Auburn never never ever happen and never will. So you know, Kirby Smart, I guess that was a thing because you had you know Vince Dooley who played and graduated from Auburn and coached at Georgia and you had Pat Dye who you know played at Georgia and coached at Auburn right so I see the point there but I, I just I just got a gut feeling for what it's worth which is zero that um that he's going to come back at least that's 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 you know my gut feeling and some optimism too sure you guys have a great weekend you too appreciate it Terry that was Terry from Talladega joining us on the line here and you can join us as well the number to call 334-321-1390 phone lines are open find levi and i on twitter at point gardner at levi fitzwater and then find lance on twitter as well at former intern jaws how much uh, time we got left in our segment we got about seven minutes here left in the segment so let's open up our uh, we're going to debut a new segment here on on the line it is called playing the line basically choosing over or under on some numbers that i've put out here in front of us uh kind of predicting outcomes this weekend not not game results but things that happen inside games and we've taken it to Auburn baseball here mainly and we've also got an Auburn basketball stat in here as well so it'll be playing the line I will give you guys 
the line number and then you guys will choose over or under on it push is not an acceptable answer here so because i I think we've got Uh, some good lines here (laughs) uh, yeah you you can't sit this one out so we got playing the line here we got some auburn baseball stats and an auburn basketball stat as well let's open it up here five innings pitched for cody greenhill over or under i'm setting the line at five innings pitched for cody greenhill tonight against presbyterian making his first collegiate start what are you guys going with yeah the question is is will the game be over at that point you know, I'm going to say, man, five is tough. I'm going to say over. I feel like Auburn's going to try and get their, this guy a little bit of experience. Well, I'm basically That's- asking you, did he did he get rocked in the fourth inning? Or, you know, did things go shaky for him through four innings and he just didn't make it out there for five? Or did he or did he actually have an elongated start? I could really see this thing ending after five innings for, for Green Hill. I think I, I'm going to agree with Lance on this one. I, literally, I think that Auburn's going to come out and that game's going to be in hand by that time. And I think that they could pull him and give him some rest, but I think they're going to try to get him as much starting experience to see how deep he can go in a game. I think that I think it's going to be over by then, but I think they keep him in and really try to like get him that experience, I believe. So I'm going to go over as well. Unfortunately, I'm looking at more of the five or six inning range. I wouldn't be shocked if he's having a great day after five and maybe they pull him out after five just because they want to go dip into the bullpen, mm-hmm. you know, save some arms and whatnot. I think he, I'm, I'm taking the over as well. I think he's going to have a good day today. We don't really know a whole lot about him as a starter. Today's our first look, and we won't know after today either, considering it's against the Presbyterian Blue Hose. So let's keep going here. Six and a half runs on opening day today for Auburn baseball against Presbyterian. Over. Over? Over. For they're, sure. They're playing Presbyterian. They're playing Hammer some, the over. They're playing a basket of blue socks. Do you, do you not <laughs> think that we can handle this? Over six and a half. Easy. Think about it. A hundred Tigers versus a hundred blue socks. Who wins? Hammer the over. I'll go with the over as well. Six and a half. I, I just sometimes I have reservations about Auburn at the plate over the years, and they're going to be playing whatever the ace is for Presbyterian, whatever that stuff is. You know, I don't know what that means, but hey, that guy's got some stuff, man. He's got some stuff. I want to see Auburn hit the ground running, but it's an odd year. I haven't played substantial baseball in a year now. It's a it's opening day on a weird year. You never know if somebody starts slow or not, but I'll, I'll go with the over as well. I wouldn't be shocked if they barely you know break the six and a half mark i'll say seven eight runs today that's under for auburn maybe nine so uh, i'll say that's that's what it looks like for auburn today on opening day all right here we go moving to saturday in this auburn baseball series against uh against presbyterian richard fitz making a uh making his appearance in this starting rotation seven strikeouts for fitz over or under and to put this in perspective he averages about he had like 16 strikeouts last year through 13 innings pitched and so he's averaging about a strikeout an inning and so this is basically asking you, you can try and take this into account. You know, how far does he go? Or is he dominant in a shorter period of time? Or is he dominant over a long period of time? I'm going to go over again. I think he comes out and he's dominant. I think he flexes his muscle that we're show, that, that people are predicting him to do. I mean, he's up at the top of MLB draft boards right now. I think he comes out. I think he flexes that muscle. I think he's dominant Saturday. I think he's absolutely dominant. I think the numbers would reflect. It would, it would be more logical to say over. Or mm-hmm, I don't want to say right out seven because push is not an option. I'm going to say over because I think again Auburn Auburn plays well this weekend, and I think I think Fitz is going to have a good weekend. We got a lot of overs here so far. This is probably the toughest line for me because it's hard to accumulate I that many to say strikeouts. Seven. I, I wanted to say seven. I wanted to agree seven, but it was hard. You also don't know how long he's going to go. I'll go over right. with you guys as well. I think he'll go a little bit longer on Saturday. I expect Fitz to pitch more innings than Cody Greenhill does tonight. 
unless Cody Greenhill just is mowing folks folks down and they don't want to get him off the mound. But I have a feeling Fitz will go longer on Saturday with the way this weekend structure is. I think that they'll be more willing to go to the pen for Greenhill on Friday, have a longer day from your starter on Saturday with Fitz, maybe not use as many arms Sunday with Barnett, where you're going to have to go a little bit more pitcher by committee after him. Now, he's he's good, but he's moving from a closer role. He's not going to give you as much longevity. I think that's where they go back. The Friday and Sunday pitching, uh, you know, in, innings pitched for guys is probably going to mirror each other a little bit more. The amount of arms they use is probably going to mirror each other a little bit more than what they're going to do on Saturday. So that's my look there. So I'll go over. We've got all O's on my chart here. Four and a half home runs this weekend across the entire weekend for Auburn baseball. So about uh, about a home run a game. Mm-hmm. Oh, you said off the entire weekend? The entire weekend, four and a half home runs. Mm-hmm. I want to go over, but I, I, I'll go over. Hammer it up. I'll keep going. I'll, keep, many, running. I'll keep riding. Give, how, me, give me over. Give me over. How many games are being played this weekend? Three. Three? Mm. I think Bryson Ware gets that by himself. Give me over. Oh, come on. <laughs> I'm going to say I'm going to say under because like you mentioned um you know uh, it's kind of a weird time in the season we didn't really get to play a whole lot last year Auburn since that 2019 uh World Series run they haven't really been able to to hit as hit as, hit as well since then I'm gonna say under um you know Presbyterian obviously not a not a baseball powerhouse but I don't feel like Auburn's going to be hitting bombs necessarily I don't think I don't think they'll hit five I don't think they'll hit five home runs over three games I'm with you on that one I'm gonna take the under and my reasoning for this, Auburn had 14 home runs last year in 18 games. Right, It's harder to hit the long ball in this day and age with the way that the rules have changed as far as bats and baseballs. Auburn's still bad at 330. That's not to say Auburn's not going to play a lot of runs. Plainsman Park's also a difficult park to hit home runs in. you got the Big Green Monster in left field. Obviously, it's brought up a little bit more, but you've got to crank that ball over left field. And then you've got the deep center field gap. This is a hard place to hit home runs at. We know that there's some power. I mean, we're hearing about Bryson Ware being able to absolutely demolish baseballs, but I don't know if one more power bat is going to really move the needle for this Auburn team this weekend. I would be, I'm right there with you, Lance. I think you see three or four home runs, but I, I'm not here for. I don't, I don't think that you're going to see five over the course of the weekend. So I'll go under. But Levi, I'm here for it, man. You're over here just. You're, you're like this Auburn team is going to smash Presbyterian this weekend. Let's let's try and get 40 runs this weekend. Am I right? So All right, last see. one here. Let's move over to some basketball. 82 points for LSU on Saturday. The average 82 is Auburn. Is Auburn's even going to hold them to 82 or less? That's the easiest one. That's they the might score over for you. They okay. might score 100. That's the easiest one. They, LSU might score 100 on Auburn's defense. Give it to me. I gotta hammer the over, man. I think I think LSU scores maybe ninety. So Auburn does not hold LSU to their average. They score more. I'm with you. I think this game. I think Auburn's gonna score now. For sure. I think it's gonna be a yeah. close game, but I think this goes into the eighties. Overall turnovers 82. too. Overall turnovers. So that was playing the line. We'll be back with more of on the line on the other side of this break. Stay with us. Stay on the line. More of the show when we come back. Back on On the Line, Noah Gardner, Levi Fitzwater, and Lance Dahl with you here on your Friday afternoon. Hope everybody's having a good week, and uh, and I hope everybody has an even better weekend. Enjoy the enjoy the good weather that we got this Friday. We got clear skies and baseball back. Auburn baseball will be having their first pitch in 30 minutes. 
That's hype. That's exciting that Auburn basketball is well playing tomorrow. But now we're going to get into some college basketball predictions here on On the Line. And we got eight games here for you as well. As we bring down the uh, the hotkey there. That's what I'm talking about, man. That was loud. Blow out an eardrum right there. We got eight games here for you on the college basketball schedule this weekend. We're going to try and run through as many of those eight games here in this segment as we possibly can. Kentucky at number 19, Tennessee. 12 o'clock game on CBS. I'm picking Tennessee to win that game. I don't think Kentucky has a chance. You don't think they have a chance? I don't think they got a chance, man. Kentucky's playing a lot better. Two-game winning streak. All right, 7-13. They are 6-7 overall in the SEC. The odds have Tennessee favored by 7.5. I'm going to say Tennessee covers that game. You know, Tennessee's kind of been up and down all season. They're kind of riding a little bit of a cold streak right now. Um, eight and five in the conference overall. They're actually behind LSU now, which is interesting. Um, Fifteen and five overall. I'm going to take LSU to win at home, or I'm sorry, Tennessee to win at home. <laughs> I'm also taking LSU to win at home tomorrow. There you go. <laughs> yeah, I'm rolling. I'm rolling with the balls this week. They're inconsistent, but they've been a lot better at home against inferior competition. I'm just, I'm just gonna take them. Uh, I think they're a much better team than this Kentucky team, and I think they win handily. I'm agree. I think they cover that spread as well. Something else worthy to note is that. Kentucky does not shoot the ball well. Nope. Tennessee, one of the better de- yep. defensive teams in the yep. SEC. I think Tennessee matches up well. You guys are spot on. Kentucky's the one of the worst teams in this league at two-point percentage. Anything inside the arc, they are struggling with right now. And Tennessee, subsequently, is one of the best defensive teams in this league. And you don't do that. You don't become that if you're not defending your rim well. And this Tennessee team defends its rim well. They're averaging only 4.6 blocks per game. Kentucky's edging that by about two blocks a game. But this Tennessee team still playing fundamentally much stronger basketball than UK. They only allow 62.3 points per game. I'm going UT as well. I'm not going to say Kentucky doesn't have a chance because we don't know what Tennessee team's going to show up. But we're all we're all expecting the good Tennessee team to show up. We've got Texas Tech against Kansas. That's number 15, Texas Tech against number 23, Kansas, 1 p.m. ESPN. Texas Tech and Kansas. I'm going to go with Texas Tech. I feel like take, this is not this is not a prototypical Kansas team this this season. Um, I don't know what Bill Self is doing over there, but he he does not have it going on right now. Um, Texas Tech, Max McClung, uh, Chris Beard. It's fun very, to watch. Very talented, very fun to watch. I'm going to take Tech to win that game. Yeah, I'm going to mimic that. I mean, let's be honest. This Kansas team, I'm going to say it, they're a bunch of frauds. This Kansas team, frauds. Ooh. And there's a few things How that so you so are they frauds though because it's not like they're highly ranked. They're not like when Missouri was 10th. I mean they're they're they shouldn't be ranked. Frauds. Get them out really? of here. But there's a few things in life that you don't do and one of them you don't bet against Mac McClung. I'm going with the Red Raiders. They've struggled against legitimate teams this season. Yeah. You know, their last 3 wins have come from Iowa State and Kansas State. Uh, they lost to West Virginia, lost beat to Oklahoma Tennessee. State, though, as well. They're on a four-game winning streak they, at the moment. They beat Oklahoma State, who is 14 and 6. I feel like they're not that they're not a They're great not team. that good, no. So you, they, they, they've lost to Baylor, lost to Oklahoma. Um, but they, in this year's college basketball, I think it's kind of a stretch to say that a 16 and 7 team's a fraud just because they're ranked 23rd, especially when they're UK, right? I Kansas is frauds. I Get them out of here. I wouldn't say they're frauds. I wouldn't necessarily not say that they're team. a bad team either. I just feel like they have t- they have a tough time beating the best teams in the country and i feel like texas tech is one of those staying in the big 12 i'm with you guys i'll take texas tech they're similar teams they both live for defense but texas tech has a lot more offense going on right now and it centers around mcclung who's averaging 
just a hair over 17 a game. So I would agree with you guys there. I'll take Texas Tech as well. So far, we got a queen, a clean sweep of the board. West Virginia, Texas. This is a top 25 matchup, a top 13 matchup. Number 13, West Virginia at number 12, Texas, 2 p.m. ABC. One of the best games of the day, if not the highest ranked game of the day, I think we're looking at. I'm going to take West Virginia on the road to beat the Texas Longhorns. I see you. Okay. I'm going with the upset. I feel like I feel like this West Virginia squad is talented. They have a, a they have a lot of players that can score the ball efficiently. Um, I feel like again, well, on the other side, you know, Texas is a very talented uh, basketball team as well. You know, they've got Greg Brown. They've got pieces. Um, but I feel like uh, Texas hasn't played in a week or so. I be- believe their last two games have been postponed. West Virginia hasn't played in a week. West Virginia hasn't played in a week. I'm going to take the Mountaineers with this upset. Yeah, West Virginia forces a lot of turnovers. Texas, a lot like Auburn, turns the ball over a decent chunk. I just think that West Virginia is going to come in there. I think it's going to be a wild, crazy game. Like I, I'm just anticipating some last-second shenanigans going on in Austin. But I'll take the West Virginia Mountaineers. I think they're going to turn the they're going to turn Texas over too many times, and that's going to lead them to a win. I'm going Texas. They had a little bit of a rough stretch in the month of January and then going in even to early. It was late January, early February where they got on a little bit of a losing streak. Texas fans were probably hitting the panic button, but they've won two in a row since then. Only a three-point win over Kansas State. That's pretty bad, but then they went and uh, put on a pretty good display against TCU 70-55. I like Texas in this one because it's more about matchups for me. Texas is one of the better teams in the Big 12 at defending their own rim. West Virginia, one of the worst teams in the Big 12 at scoring at the rim. Now, they can pop a three, and if West Virginia gets hot then I could easily see them winning this game because the three-point shot could be the thing that, that that splits the difference between these two squads. But I like Texas at home. ESPN's matchup predictor likes them as well. 62% chance to win. I like Texas at home. I think they're straightening some things out. I like their defense is the big reason here why I expect them to win this game. Great three-point shooting teams. Typically, they die by the three when they get on the road. So I'll, I'll go different than you guys on this one. I'll go Texas at home. Illinois, Minnesota, fifth-ranked, fighting Illini, still fighting for a one seed possibly in some bracketology they're at 230 it does not say on the sbn uh on the sbn website what channel they play on i'll go and work on finding that while you guys make your pick so minnesota is a very very confusing basketball team for me we've already seen them uh this season they've they've lost two games in a row only to beat a a top seven team in michigan you know they've lost two games in a row to maryland and indiana they're now playing the fifth ranked team in the country um, I'm going to say that Illinois wins this game. I don't feel like Illinois is a top five basketball team, but I think they're talented enough to win against Minnesota. I think this one's easy. I've been saying it all year. It's hard to win on the road in the Big Ten in Minnesota. Minnesota. It, oh, yeah. They exemplified that perfectly. 13-1 and one at home this year. I'm going with the upset. Goal, goal for Skyuma, row the boat, goal, golfers. I'm going to have a nice pop and sit down on Saturday night and watch this one with a good hot dish. Well, I love it's that. on the it's in the afternoon, so it's it's not it's not at night, but it's on Fox on 2.30. I mean, I mean, that's the morning time for me on a Saturday, that's let's be honest. I mean, it's so cold up there that it'll be mid- midnight by the time it reaches 4 o'clock. So you picked Illinois, Lance. I'm picking Illinois. All right, so I'll split the difference here. I'm going with the fifth-ranked fighting Illini. I'm a little shocked that you said you don't think that they're a top-five team, and especially in this year's college basketball where there's a lot of down teams. If you're 15-5 and five in the Big Ten, you are the real deal. And this team's 11-3 and three in conference play. I love the way that they play basketball. 
They've got some fun names on their team as well, like Dasun Mu, their leading scorer of 21.3 points per game. Minnesota's leading score at 19.4 points per game. The guard play jumps off the page for this one for me. But look, when you compare these two teams on paper, Illinois, the better defensive team here, only allowing 68.9 a game, but they're still scoring 82 a game. This Illinois team is a is a strong basketball team, and I actually think they're probably more deserving of a one seed maybe at this point in the year than maybe even Ohio State. Ohio State not, is not your t- prototypical top five team either. And so I like this Illinois team. They're on a six-game winning streak, whereas Minnesota's trying to break a two-game losing streak. They've lost three of their last five. I'll go Illinois in this one. But, I, you know, I, I like the hot takes, Levi. I like you bringing the heat there and, and at least picking an upset. Somebody's got to be different. We got Georgia-Florida coming up at 2.30 on SEC Network on Saturday. Georgia trying to go for the sweep. I'm going to pick hmm, – let's see. I'm going to pick Florida to win this game. Uh, simply because I feel like Florida's a more talented team. I don't feel like Georgia's really got that one player. They, they lost Anthony Edwards last season. They've not really, I don't feel like they have that guy. And if it's going to be Wheeler, I don't feel like he's consistent enough to pull out a win like this. I'm going to take Florida to win uh, and cover. Well, your point about Wheeler shooting 39.9% from the field, it's not overly consistent or overly efficient. And he's only averaging 13.5 points a game. He's their leading scorer. So Georgia hurting a little bit for some of their offensive prowess. They score a lot of points because they are one of the fastest teams in the country. Correction to what I said. I said Georgia was going for the sweep. It's Florida going for the sweep. Levi, who you got? Florida 5-2 and two at home. Georgia 2-5 and five on the road. Florida dropped two straight going into this game. I think they bounce back here. I think they're licking their chops for the Bulldogs to come into town. Eat a little bit of an easier competition. Not saying that it's a guaranteed win. But I think Florida shows up. The good Florida team shows up and wins. Nothing like a rivalry game to try and get you off the mat, try and restart your engine a little bit. And Florida, I think, is going to take advantage of it. They're coming off two losses, like you said, Levi. Road loss to Arkansas. You'll give them a pass there. They lost by 11 to the Razorbacks. But they lost at home to South Carolina the last time they were out there after they were on a win streak that included dubs over teams like West Virginia. They beat Georgia in that stretch as well. Vanderbilt and Florida was looking good in the middle of the SEC schedule. Now we head to the stretch, and they've got to try and jumpstart their engines. I think they do against Georgia at home. Lance, they're definitely the more talented team here, and I I like the inconsistency point about Georgia's offense because it definitely is up and down, and it revolves around a lack of efficiency on that side of the ball they just play the game really fast that can hurt them on the road so i'm, I'm with you guys i'll take florida in this one auburn lsu i'm going to pick lsu to win this game it's it's not in my nature to pick against auburn i just whenever it boils down to it i may be very critical of the tigers but i i don't pick against auburn often i'm gonna go with lsu in this one simply because i feel like auburn's going to struggle defensively against a high octane lsu offense on the road yeah, it's going to be tough. It's going to be tough for Auburn to defend them. I went against Auburn last Saturday when they went on the road to Kentucky. You were right. I was right. I was looking good at halftime, but yeah, I, I think a 21-9 to run. I just think this is a matchup nightmare for Auburn. But with that being said, I think the week off helps, and I think Auburn comes out and wins this game. Whoa, really? Throwing a curveball with you. I thought earlier you picked LSU to win. I changed my mind. <laughs> In this span of 20 minutes. All right, you're going to be the only guy picking against uh, – the, the, the only guy picking against – LSU here on the show today because I'm taking LSU to win this one. Tigers easily win this game. Bad, yeah, that's true. Bad matchup <laughs> for Auburn. It's it's the lack of defense for me and the fact that LSU scores a lot of points over 82 a game. We wrap up the show here on the other side of this break. More college basketball picks coming up here on On the Line. On the Line on Fox Sports Central Alabama on 98.3 FM and ESPN 1067. 
Wrapping up today's show and the week here on On the Line. Noah Gardner, Levi Fitzwater, Lance Dahl with you here on your Friday afternoon. Before we wrap up the show, let's take a listen to what's on TV tonight. It's Noah Gardner with What's On Tonight. What is the new invention on Shark Tank? Ladies, apparently an entrepreneur has solved the age-old problem creating high heels that are sexy and comfortable. New episode of Shark Tank on ABC at 7. Movie selection for tonight. There have been several renditions of Robin Hood over the years. You can catch the 2018 edition with Taron Egerton and Jamie Foxx on Sci-Fi at 7.30. Mid-major teams rule the night in Friday college basketball. If that's your stuff, we've got the schedule for you. At the 6 p.m. time slot, St. Louis and Dayton play on ESPN2. Monmouth and Iona are on ESPNU, and Akron Ball State is on CBS Sports Network. Moving to 8 p.m., you've got Wyoming at New Mexico on CBS Sports Network, Toledo at Buffalo on ESPN2, and at 9 on FS1 with possibly the best game of the night, it'll be Utah State at Boise State. In the NBA, we've got two games on ESPN at 6.30. The Bulls are at the 76ers, and at 9, the Jazz and the Clippers wrap up the night. I'm Noah Gardner, and that's what's on TV tonight. Wrapping up the show here on On the Line, Noah Carter, Levi Fitzwater, and Lance Dahl with you. And let's uh, head back to our college basketball picks here. We got two more before we get out of here this afternoon. And the drive with Bill Cameron will be following us. And then uh, are we T minus 10 minutes yet? No, we're T minus 11 minutes until Auburn baseball gets their action going against Presbyterian as well. Not far from from first pitch. It's a a bummer for me that I'm not going to be out there today. And I know it's probably a bummer for a lot of people out there as well. But there's the cue for the hot key. We've got it playing. And now let's go ahead and wrap up our college basketball picks here. we got Mississippi State at Ole Miss, 5 o'clock SEC Network. I think you got to go with the Rebels, you know. Look They're at hot. It. They are hot right now. 12-8, and 6 in the SEC. They've won their last four straight, including over two top 15 teams in Tennessee and Missouri at the time. At the time, okay. <laughs> but... This team is incredibly hot. I really like what Devontae Shuler's doing offensively. I feel like the shot that he hit against Auburn was kind of a gimmick. That was just kind of a prayer. That's just my opinion. Really talented player, though. I feel like Mississippi State kind of sliding right now. Not one of the better offensive teams in the SEC. So I feel like Ole Miss definitely wins at home. Yeah, I mean, Ole Miss has just been a really good basketball team at home this year. I think they're a much better team than Mississippi State. Rivalry game, anything can happen, but I'm just going to go chalk here. I think Ole Miss handles this game well. They're hot, and I think they're a really good team that is only going to get hotter down the stretch. They're trying to get into the NCAA tournament picture. They know what's on the line. It's kind of like Survive in Advance started four weeks ago for them, and they probably didn't even think that they could get into the NCAA tournament picture. Well, four games later, they're on a four-game win streak. They get to play a pretty bad team when you're talking about Mississippi State in this league this year. They're on a slide. They've lost three of their last five, two in a row. And they did not look good. They lost seventy-two to fifty-one to Vanderbilt. And when you yes to Vanderbilt, talking about moving forward for uh, Ole Miss, you know they've got Mississippi State, then they play Missouri, who they've already beaten. They play at Vanderbilt, and then they play Kentucky. I mean, that's a manageable end to a schedule. They've definitely they've they've got it rolling like Auburn did a year or so ago, heading into March. And keep it in the SEC. We're not going to talk about this game. South Carolina is going to beat Missouri. Let's just throw that out there as well. Oh, I don't know if I'd go that far. <laughs> I think Missouri probably does come back and win. No, nah, not on the road and not in Columbia. That's hostile. I'm going to give you that one. That's a bonus. That's what we call straight. a little. That's a freebie. They've lost three straight. Missouri has. Yeah, Ole Miss will win this game. Last game here to pick. Virginia Duke. Oh, I think you got to go Virginia. There's there's no question. 7 o'clock ESPN, that's that's where you can find that game. I think, yeah, you got to go with Virginia right now. I mean, we, we saw them get blown out by a Florida State team that, in my opinion, is one of the better teams of the country. Just after watching two or three of their games, 
Uh, I, Duke is obviously, you know, like Kansas. This is not a typical Duke team. I'll say this year's Duke team is like Kentucky. Yeah. Uh, Virginia still very capable defensively. I don't feel like Duke is going to be able to get a whole lot going. I think Virginia's held back a little bit by their guard play, but I don't think it matters in this game. This is probably the easiest game to pick that we have, and it's not even going to be close. Duke is going to absolutely blow this game out of the water. There is no shot here. Coach K has Tony Bennett's number. It's not going to be close. Jalen Johnson opting out, quitting on the team. Might I add you, Jim Beheim even went on to say that this is a much better Duke team with him leaving. That is Syracuse coach Jim Beheim who said that, and I agree with him. I think he was holding a lot of guys back on this Duke team, and you get that attitude out of the locker room. Think about what's happened since. Two monster wins for Duke. Easy blowout city. Cash that. The, Vegas has this game as a pick 'em. It's a lot closer than you guys think. Didn't the Johnson kid get hurt though? No, Isn't he, he just trying to stay healthy, trying to get for the draft. You give me that eye roll. I'm just saying. No. I think he's been dealing with some injuries, but not even close. So you're actually picking Duke here. Easy. It's, it's not going to be close. Vegas has this game as a pick 'em. I think Duke wins this game easy. I'm going to take Virginia to win this one. I like the defense. Virginia giving up less than 60 a game, 59.9 points a game. That so, had to play uh, Matthew Hurt yet. That, those stats are going to change. Matthew Hurt leading Duke in scoring at 18.3 points per game. I'm still sticking with UA, UVA in this one. Uh, in a lower scoring ball game, the ACC has been pretty tough to watch this year. But uh, Lance and I with UVA in this one and Duke will be going with Levi there. Wrap it up on the line here. we got about three minutes left until the drive with Bill Cameron. We'll be headed out of here, and then Bill and Dan will follow up with us here in the studio here on ESPN 106.7 and on Fox Sports Central Alabama. I'm going to wrap up the show here talking about Dylan Brooks, obviously the relatively local product about an hour away in Roanoke playing for Handley High School. He's, he's you know on his way out to go and play some college football. He had his national letter of intent signed to play at Tennessee, and Tennessee today released him from it. He's now a free man, and he can uh, he can choose whatever school he wants to go to. Whose decision was that? Was that was Tennessee the one who wanted him out, or did he want to leave? Oh, he wa- he asked for the release, and then it's up to Tennessee during like a certain window. I believe it's thirty days for them to decide whether or not they're gonna they're gonna let him out. There were some reports coming out this morning that it was conditional, and that Tennessee yeah, was that. only gonna yeah. allow him to to that they were gonna allow him to do that as long as it wasn't to another SEC school. And then now there are reports out you know more confirmed reports now out later this afternoon that it is that is not the case that he's just clean released and he can go wherever he wants and uh i think part of that has to do with the fact that folks on social media were dragging tennessee through the absolute mud earlier today about the conditional yeah if that if that conditional was true that is just completely asinine on tennessee's part so you can go just you know fire a coach and hire a new one but this kid can't leave and go play now that you have a new coach right that's absolutely ridiculous when people get mad about players getting into the transfer portal and all that but yet they can easily just fire a head coach or hire coaches can leave whenever they want to well, they, players can't that's well, absolutely ridiculous they pulled some offers from guys too uh like the oxford product for some reason i'm having a hard time remembering it's rock something uh, I'll, I'll look it up but Lance you had something to say I was just going to say in Tennessee's position and I saw this earlier and I was going to ask you guys whether what you what you thought about it but in Tennessee's position there's no way that rumor is true there's no way they're they're being conditional about whether or not their players can play wh- or wherever they want to if they choose to leave I, I don't think that program's in the position to be able to tell guy, that guy those guys who want out of that dumpster fire to say no you can't go play in our league uh, rock taylor was who i was thinking of i thought it was rock taylor but i was having a hard time remembering if that was for sure his last name but rock taylor the he's signed with memphis now he's going to an in-state school there 
with Tennessee. Uh, right, you know, different parts of the state, obviously, vastly different parts of the state. But Rock Taylor, the Oxford, Alabama product, going out to Memphis. So uh, he was somebody that uh, I believe Auburn had wanted to, to try and get in his, you know, to try and get after him a little bit. But he's, he ended up signing with Tennessee. He got released, just like, but well, he didn't get released. He got his offer pulled. So uh, and that wasn't that far. For, that was like right before signing day as well, I believe. And so Tennessee's not making friends with a lot of coaches in the state of Alabama right now. And uh, that's not the that's not what you want to do if you're Josh Loipa right now, because if you're Tennessee, the portion of where you are in the country, or at least in the southeast, Tennessee's needing to recruit the state of Alabama if they want to get some players, because uh, your other options are east into North Carolina. You know, you got Arkansas to your west. You can go north a little bit, maybe into Kentucky, but. Your best states to recruit are below you, and you got to make friends with you know the ones in Alabama and Georgia, and they're not necessarily doing that right now. That's it for another edition of On the Line. We'll be back with you on Monday, same time, same place. You know where to find us, everybody. Have a great weekend.